0: So, welcome back to the Birdie Bug Pod. Episode 7. It's good
1: to be back. It is indeed. It feels like it's been a while, actually.
0: Yeah, although I think it feels like it's gone really
1: quick, but... Okay, well, there we are. There we are. Here we are. So, normal thing then. Normal little catch-up, and as I think it's become become a bit of a trend, you clearly live the more interesting life, because you actually have some catch-up, but I really don't. Well, yeah, mine's not overly exciting but it's something
0: yeah it's something for I'll let you up. kick this sech- i've been sech- sech- doing off. i think i mentioned in the last episode that i have joined the bto to go with my other memberships of uh, bird things. things and um they they do all sorts of little projects actually so i've signed up for the garden bird watch project so i have to spend uh about and no more than about sort of half an hour a week just counting the birds that are coming in and out of the garden and then going back onto the site and recording it and they are using that data from all of the people that are doing those little projects to obviously monitor and analyse the movements and the populations of
1: our garden birds. It's a nice little bit of citizen science going on. And, you know,
0: it's pretty tough. You know, I have to sit there with a cup of coffee. You yeah, had four uh,
1: goldfinches on your feeder yeah, last week.
0: Peer out of the window for half an hour and watch the birds. And, yeah, you know, you
1: have to you have to work at it. But I'm a big fan of citizen science projects. I think they're, I mean, they're good. Yeah,
0: well, the, the, as, again, I think I mentioned in the last episode it's hugely important uh the amount of people that are doing that for the bto uh, volunteers and people that are doing what did you call it citizen science yes yeah, citizen science is, and, and it's it's massively important to their uh, their accumulating data so uh and i'm now a little part of that yeah, and i'm a little scientist yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little citizen scientist so um and aside from that the other exciting thing well for me anyway is that I think I'm we're, again. I keep saying I mentioned in a previous pod. I took a recently took a picture of a white-tailed eagle flying yeah, one of over our early catch ups. Yes, flying over the um, the wetland center in Arundel, um, and they've since requested uh, to use it to use it in a, a, an article they're going to be doing about the fact that they think these white-tailed eagles have sort of settled. Um, just uh, around Arundel and
1: they're hoping obviously that they may breed there this year. So what we've learned is well, we no longer year. need to do the 13 hour drive up Scotland just <laughs> pop into Arundel. Oh no, I'm, I
0: have to say I, I really want to go back to Mull cause we need to get
1: a, some otters and we're, we're yeah, it
0: That was an extraordinary place yeah. to go to so I I would always uh, I would always recommend doing that but yes, I can now see white-tailed eagles in Arundel. So, Which is um, mental. So yeah, that's about it for me apart from watching you know the rain pouring down this <laughs> rain and wind rain and wind it's been pretty horrible it good weather. for the
1: planet and because we are technically still in drought here in the south coast of england even after all of our rain so really yeah, keep apparently we've
0: had half a month's rain in three days yeah
1: to be fair actually after drought that can cause flooding but i won't go into all, all those well it did didn't it, it yeah. cause
0: flooding recently on the roads but so that's my catch-up. You've got nothing. Not you've got nothing well, I mean, to say for yourself.
1: I've been up to stuff, but nothing particularly relevant to to this podcast. It's all been rock climbing and visitors round and running and stuff. And so it's it's not y because all the insects have buggered off. So
0: there is always that. Yeah, there is that. I, I guess you have a little lull. Now been for until- a few
1: nice walks in New Forest, and there are still you know wasps and some yeah, nice actually, flies I've seen, about. I've been
0: because again what i didn't realize when i signed up for this garden bird watch is that they also when you when you put your data in ask if you've seen other things in the garden like butterflies and bees and yeah and a big frog as well had a big frog sat on the front step it was so i think the weather was so awful even he was trying to get in so um beautiful frog. yeah he was lovely but um, uh, so
1: no nothing no wildlife okay. catch up really from me okay so we'll,
0: shall should we crack
1: on them yeah i reckon so so All this right. this episode is your gig like you I normally propose topics um, and give you an agenda, and this is your episode, so why don't you kick it Yeah, I thought,
0: you know, we've spent the first six episodes, you know, doing a sort of mix of stuff with a a big sort of conservation and climate change and and eco-friendly approach, and I thought now we're seven episodes in, it might be a good idea to introduce people to us and how this podcast came about, and it kind of came about because of our passion for photography so I wanted to talk about a little bit about our journey in photography and how we started and um, and how how it's moved on to the fact that we are now sitting here doing a podcast. Yeah and
1: to be fair when we were first planning this whole thing we tried to do like a five minute intro to maybe stick as a trailer as to our background and it never really worked and so we always said we'd do a few episodes and maybe people aren't too fussed but if people want to sort of just hear about where we're coming from and like I said we're not qualified necessarily but like why we want to talk about these things then, then this yeah is we're the not qualified just to get we're, to
0: know us we're not professional photographers we're just very enthusiastic amateurs yeah. but we have had a long journey in photography and hopefully
1: it makes us less of just two random voices down yeah. the microphone and people sort of get to know the two of us yeah so it's a bit of a chilled episode this one bit of a chilled episode why don't I kick off with
0: how I started because I kind of guess well, it's your you know, fault that I like it. So yeah, exactly. well start. so I sort of got into photography. I was about 18. I just uh, started an apprenticeship in a reaper graphics company, which, for you who don't know what that term means, and I could spend all day explaining it, is a little subsidiary of the printing industry where we did a lot of the photographic part of the printing industry. So I actually started off on a big black and white galley camera in a dark room and people won't know what that is either these days but suffice to say I was on a very <laughs> working a big camera in a dark room and my passion for that sort of started there because I was then uh, I, in fact my dad was into photography and we bought cameras together when I started earning money and then I started doing my own black and white photography and and developing in this dark room because I had access to all of that stuff I it is needed it's nice to work in a dark room as which well. it was great working in a dark room so my passion for photography sort of started there and uh, again what's really nice is that I did that with my dad and my dad being being the man he was who got once he started on a little hobby got very obsessed by it I wonder where I got that from and me and you and um so yeah we we did photography together in a sort of not in any kind of specific way just we you know it was more landscapey uh you know I wasn't into bird photography then but uh we visited for, you know the photography yeah, shows together I was going to mention, gonna mention that. um and then of course you came along
1: yeah and I don't necessarily remember the, the very start I remember obviously always loving animals and wildlife and yeah. going into being a zoologist uh, and I remember picking up your... I think it was a bridge camera, actually, uh, in the garden. Yes, it and was. And then after, I think I showed an interest, you put the Nikon FM2 film camera yeah. in my hand so that I, if I was going to learn, I would learn it on manual rather yes, than no, automatic. No, no digital in those days. Um, um, so it was very, very
0: manual. And I was going to say my first camera was a film camera, and I'm not sure the listeners to this these days obviously the older ones will but well um, to be
1: fair because i mean the nikon fm2 is still one of my favorite cameras and the nikon brought out a digitalized camera yeah. <coughs> modeled yes. after it called the oh i actually can't remember what it's f- called it's called the f, yeah. f-, f- or something yeah something right like it. that and i don't i don't need it for any other reason but it's so beautiful if i had the money i would buy it but yeah the the fm2 was just well, the side beauty of camera. it is,
0: I think you were seven years of age, and I think we, funnily enough, we were at Arundel. Um, there's a lake called Swanbourne Lake, which is just the other side of the Wetland Centre. and I, We took slides, didn't oh, we? Yeah, I put this little FM2 in your hand and. Tried um, to teach me about exposure. Teach you about exposure. And the beauty of that camera, being all manual, is that you had to understand apertures and shutter speeds and. And film speed, as it was then, and um, to get a decent photograph. And, of course, you never knew if you got a decent photograph until your developed pictures came back. So none of this, or just check whether I got the right exposure, you you had to understand. Otherwise, it was a very expensive way of um, wasting money because... You know, if you just randomly took pictures without any thought to it, you would get some really rubbish pictures back from the developer. Yeah, and I'm very
1: pleased I learnt, the, learnt on a film camera, just because even going into the digital world, at least I knew aperture and shutter speed but it's sort and of, ISO and, yeah, and it's sort things of, like that in general. It sort of
0: ground that, that, myth, that skill into yeah. your head.
1: you, you spent you, a lot of time at Arundel taking photos yeah. of ducks with that camera.
0: And you learnt... You learnt, you know, about the effect of changing apertures and shutter speeds and what effect that had. So yeah, I think that's when when it. I still got that in. camera. We've I I we got a shelf, haven't we? Yeah. With
1: FM two and the F five. Yeah, and, I can't. Um,
0: I can't get rid of that camera. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. beautiful. And mm. then
1: I think after I showed an interest, we went to the photography show, which is a big photographic exhibition in Birmingham in the NEC. Yeah. When I was, I think I was nine, when I did my first photography show which then kick-started a 13-year streak of us going every single year from age nine up until I was in my final year of university, just before the pandemic ruined it. Yes. and <laughs> It was 13 years. We looked forward to it every single year, and we absolutely loved it, It was we? fantastic, just going to pick up new camera gear. I, I, bought, I bought most of my camera gear from the photography show. <laughs> it's one of the things your mum
0: was going, oh, God, what so are we going to come back with now? Because we always came back with something, yeah. didn't we?
1: And so that's yeah, that and I think that sort of solidified my passion for it. It was a way of for me to go out and find wildlife and take a cool picture of it and come back and be like, Look at this cool animal.
0: Yeah, so the passion for photography um has
1: never really waned, has it? No. Um, you know. Although it's definitely I think we are more consistent with it now. I think it was often a thing that we did a lot over summer holidays, especially if we went on a holiday. Yeah. And every time we'd go to the photography show, we'd come back with just like the burning desire to take photos yeah. and then stuff would happen, university and jobs and stuff, whereas I think obviously now, especially for you, we're a lot more consistent in actually getting out and taking photos, yeah, I think
0: possibly i mean i was I was not into bird photography then i was doing I was big into landscape photography, particularly one of my big things was moody skies, as I call it. I loved sunsets and sunrises and cloud formations, so I was always taking pictures of moody skies. Um, So that was my thing. Mine was always animals. So I was always on the beach at 5 o'clock in the morning, set up on a tripod as the sun was coming up over the sea and all of that stuff, which I loved. Um, But I then then sort of had this moment, um, and I guess that goes on to our next thing about how we got into our respective... Genres. Genres. I had this little moment on the beach, and funnily enough, it was in during lockdown, I think. Yeah. Um, And we'd gone down for Mark's birthday on the beach. Oh, it's
1: just after lockdown, wasn't it? It It First first time when when actually a group of people could get together, socialise outside with people
0: not from your own house. That's right. Yeah, and we were sitting down on the beach, our local beach, and uh, I'd taken my camera gear down there, and um, and this kestrel flew over, and it and it just hovered over the. Uh, the green space by the beach and didn't go away and it let me stand underneath it and I was taking pictures and that was a moment that was the moment that did it for me because I was so it was so exciting with this kestrel that was probably only about 20 or 30 feet above me um and I realized just how beautiful this bird was and I got and I got back and looked at the pictures and that was it from that point on I mean I was...
1: today, you've always liked birds and you've always oh, liked of birds course. of prey oh of
0: course I've been, always loved birds and particularly birds of prey and always wanted garden birds um, to attract garden birds into our gardens and loved sitting watching them so it was a sort of natural progression for me um, to do that and, then, and from then on I've just been totally and utterly obsessed by bird photography and, and learning about birds so Obviously, you've gone down a slightly different way. Yeah, road. I mean,
1: I always did wildlife photography in all aspects, any animal, yeah. really. But from a science point of view, I've always liked the insects and the spiders. Um, And I think the entomology society at Bangor played a role because I had a group of friends who were all keen entomologists and keen photographers. So we would go on specific holidays just to take photos of, to be fair, a lot of reptiles as well, but spiders and yeah. creepy crawlies. And, I know, you had a bedroom full of them yeah. once. And you obviously permanently have lent me your macro lens which was your dad's so it's a really old nikon uh, macro lens with the autofocus that doesn't work but it's still just lovely oh it's just fantastic quality Um, lens and yeah i think especially when i went out to arizona and i was supposed to be taking photographs of snakes but i just loved photographing scorpions and centipedes and stuff and it tied in so nicely with my general interest um from an academic point of view uh, of, of insects and especially spiders as well that it sort of made sense for me to gravitate towards those photos i always like it because i think we saw that really up close photo of an ant which to be fair was taken through like a microscope and stacked all that sort of stuff astonishing but in general was, it's a real glimpse into the world that you don't normally see you can go into your garden and take a close-up photo of a cricket's face or a fly's face and this is something incredibly beautiful about it which i really yes like. and if you if you if you
0: haven't seen pictures like that, do go to A Bug in the Lens I quite like on seeing, the Instagram um, page because they are phenomenal. I seen. like
1: seeing spider feet.
0: Yeah, and so I like the eyes of things like the flies Dragonfly and the dragonflies, yeah.
1: which is just, just incredible. So I like it for that reason. I like it just because it's a, a glimpse into like a little mini world in your garden or, or the amount of wildlife you can find in one bush. And it's just, yeah, I've always liked, I like, as I think we said, I like lying in a ditch and just photographing flies. Yes, you're always you're
0: lying in the foliage, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> And
1: you and I very much have different habits when we walk because you are always looking up and I don't see the birds because I'm permanently looking at the ground. It was I'd... a bit like that when we went to Dartmoor, wasn't it? Yeah. I was looking up and you were looking Just down. looking for spiders or anything running yeah. across and, and you'll point out a bird and I'm just staring at my feet. Yeah.
0: And I found also um, when I started bird photography, I've now got this certain way of walking. Whereas before, you know, and I remember taking your mum, when your mum came out with us with me for the first time and and mum's a bit of a you know march march yeah you know, really really like a big yomp yeah to a the big beach. yomp yeah and i've now developed this i think it's called a lope <laughs> where i'm just walking at such a slow pace because i'm just looking at everything up in the trees and the bushes and trying to spot birds so i I've now slowed right down to probably one mile an hour. I can always
1: I can always tell on the Garmin app if, if you're doing photography or not, because it'll be like a two-kilometre walk, and it's taking like four hours. Yeah, so like, Cause, and then I can actually,
0: if I spot something, I will actually stand in one place for maybe 15 minutes until
1: I can get the shot. Yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that's... And to be fair, I mean, you started A Bird in a Lens... Way before I started a bug yeah. in the lens, and a bug in the lens only came about th- this year when I had two friends from from university visit. Uh, I say visit, visit. One of them also lives in Southampton, and we were out doing photography and looking for uh, critters and some birds as well. And um I I joked that we should I should just start an insect version. And I think within about an hour, you'd whip me up a logo, and I was like,
0: well, off we go then. Yeah, I started the, I started a bird in the lens just really during the pandemic and. Um, with this kestrel picture as my first post and then uh and then it sort of went from there and um
1: to be fair we both did a bit of photography during the pandemic it was a bit of kept a sane yeah it it was, a of was of another scapism. thing that's
0: another thing why we love it so much is it's such a switch off it's so good a it gets you out and in about nature. in nature and the and countryside it takes quite
1: a lot of focus so it sort of and you don't think about anything
0: else while you're trying to get that bird in flight picture all you're doing is concentrating on that and um so it's really good for it's good therapy. I find it is very really good. Therapy. A,
1: we had a good little project going over lockdown, um, where we were trying to take a photo every day, um, for the thirty days in it was April, I think it was. Wasn't April, it? Yeah um and that resulted in us having to become quite creative it was a little bit unfair because you had a garden with animals and i was in a one bedroom flat with no garden actually
0: i have to say you you were and so after i like, smashed that because after you
1: like were, a week i was just like i don't know what i photographed now yeah you smashed um, that
0: because you were in a one bedroom flat and i did have a garden and i could walk down to the beach yeah, so i think i, was I very popped lucky. into
1: the southampton common a couple of times but we had interesting things like for example without communicating we both decided to try and do a creative coffee shot and so at the end of the day when we sent each other our photo of the day we would weirdly both gone down the route of trying to take a cleverly composed because that did actually crop up a few times but i mean it ranged from coffee to whiskey bottles to i did playing cards and books and all sorts, all sorts of creative. Of we got things. more and more creative, didn't we? On yeah, actually at trying. one point I think I made an espresso martini and dropped a coffee bean in it to get yes, a little splash. And yeah. It was great fun weird. though. It was good fun.
0: And what was even nicer was, got your, no
1: work done. was your mum made a book out of the yes. uh, out of all the pictures. So we've got a little record of that. Yeah, which again was a nice example of yeah being a bit of an escape. Sort of, I was very much stuck in one yeah. small uh, flat and so the opportunity to spend some time just trying to do something creative was kept me sane yeah it was in that, that was playing call of duty so at least i did something productive yeah yeah that's
0: true <laughs> and that's kind of how our um we call it a little brand now our bug in the lens and bird in the lens and obviously the birdie bug pod um
1: well again actually i mean the bird in the lens which then birthed a bug in the lens was your idea and the podcast was actually also your shout which is interesting because i'm the one who listens to them consistently all the time um yeah,
0: I just I know you'd mentioned before uh, about wanting to do a podcast. I think you were going to do one with your mate. Yeah, you? I mean
1: I th- I've mentioned Sean a couple of times. Uh, we we did we had planned to do a very much like an entomology based one, but we'd always lived in different parts of the country and trying to do it remotely, we, it was just tricky to organise. Um, yeah. and so and at the same at the time we were both doing degrees or jobs, and it was just tricky to try and do it remotely and get it sounding good yes that it sort of never really came to be you
0: yeah, know i just thought it was a little natural progression that we you know we go out together and we photograph we're and we never up, shut up we never shut up talking about it we're always talking about um about our our respective instagram pages and our pictures and
1: really this is just a way of instead of us bothering my partner and and your well my mum with, with all of our photography natter we can bother everybody else with instead. <laughs> i like that i like that and of course um
0: i we're also always talking together about climate change and
1: conservation
0: conservation and you know birds and insects declining and and what we can do to help and so really this podcast came about because I thought why not record our little chats because we're we're often sitting chatting about it anyway so
1: also I think that the two parts which I think obviously people can correct me if I'm wrong I think we've done an all right job of so far is our conversations always seem to have two parts that all the stuff that's going on which is a bit sad and things that we need to fix and the way that we can fix it and our conversations often end with us trying to remind each other that good work is going on out there definitely. by other people and so we always sometimes have a bit of a rant and then we'll mention an organization yeah. that sort of gives us a, a glimmer of yeah, hope it's
0: no, so, always got to be a positive yeah
1: and so it ended up being a way of us wanting to do those two things make sure that the issues and are being spoken about and the things that we can do are being spoken yeah. about but also remind people that good stuff is also happening yeah and definitely. good people Working really hard to save a curlew. Definitely. So that's a kind of little summary about how,
0: you know, our passion for and photography. Why we're here has uh, as led to this little podcast which I, I have to say even if people don't listen to it, we just absolutely love doing
1: it. Yeah, I mean obviously this episode is, is a bit of an example of that in the sense that it's a bit uh, self-serving yes. um, and, and maybe people aren't too fussed about our background but the bottom line is we just quite enjoy doing it. So yeah, we'll, we just we'll love doing it. So whether
0: anybody's interested in this one or not. And uh, hopefully, hopefully yeah. a
1: few people might, might yeah. enjoy it.
0: Um, anyway, so back to the photography. Um, I've got a little thing there saying what have we learned and how we've improved and that's really aimed at our respective genres how your macro photography has come on and moved on yeah
1: and yours has a lot even just from the start of your instagram page i think it does come down from what we said where it would maybe a every summer holiday we'd go out and take our cameras to it being a daily practice yes Um, but your photography's always been good but the more recent ones are like you can just see the improvement there. I think.
0: Yeah, I think. I think as you start off on these things, um, you do realize you you be, you begin to understand what makes a good photo and what doesn't, and that comes actually from looking at posts other people yeah, do and taking bad ones and taking lots and lots of bad ones. And and I still take lots of bad photos. And uh, if if you are a photographer, you'll know that you know for every hundred pictures you take, you might like five of them. If that, yeah. If that, so. Uh, and i think that's just a part of it getting out there and just doing as much of it as you can and then experimenting with um uh, the way you're taking those photographs but you know for me my the things i've learned um from the start where i was just going out and a i was getting very excited about birds that i hadn't photographed before or even seen before or even maybe been aware were there when I was walking around yeah. in the countryside? Yeah, and I mean to
1: be fair, actually, your bird ID has come a long way. I'm, mine used to, mine's awful now. Um, it's just yeah, nice I've, skin learned, I've, I've learned a lot. Um, you and Mum can identify birds yeah, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and and then you realise when you do see, look at your photos, and you compare them. I guess to the really good f- photographers who are putting posts up, and you start to understand what you need to do. I mean, obviously, I've been doing photography a long time, so I understand the association between fast shutter speeds and apertures and ISO settings Um, so I understand that anyway for me the key things for photography are light you know the light is so crucial to getting a good photograph and not Um, and then all sorts of other things can come into it there are little things that I've done which is more specific I guess for bird photography than macro photography um back button focus has made a massive difference
1: i mean i I don't use that really for macro, but i've used it when we went to scotland for doing some birds yeah
0: again if you don't understand what that is often your default setting on a camera on a dslr or a, a mirrorless camera as well would be that the the uh focusing activation is done on the Shutter yeah. button. half-press the shutter button. And if you take that off there... Now, these days, cameras are so customizable. you can allocate functions to all sorts of buttons on the camera. And there are buttons on the back of the camera that naturally sit under your thumb, where your thumb is holding the grip, that you can then assign focus to that button. So it takes it off that shutter button. So you're not having to think about two things on that button. So that's a simple thing. I can now focus on the bird and decide when I'm going to hit the shutter button. And that's that made a huge difference, back button focus. And then the, the other thing was increasing shutter speeds. When I'm trying to get birds in flight and I was mucking around on 600th of a second and I suddenly realised it should be 2,500th yeah. of a second or 3,000th of a second, this is where you need light. So it's all that association. started
1: just being a little bit less cautious with your iso sticking yeah. it on auto and then dealing it yeah. with it in post absolutely. if you needed to. and that was
0: the other thing is just putting it on auto iso because it was easier
1: maybe... to get the or it was better to get the sharp photo and then try and reduce the noise absolutely. than try and sharpen an image absolutely so there's little things like that but and
0: again simple things like looking at the backgrounds backgrounds for bird photography are really important because i was getting so many pictures of birds in trees and shrubs and things which just had a, a mass and a mess of stuff behind yeah. them so sometimes even just stepping to the right a little bit or to the left a little bit or adjusting your whether you're pointing up or down to get a nice soft uh, so- even background rather than a messy background and you can't always do it because birds often are on trees with lots of branches about but i'd rather take not take that photograph yeah. now and think i'm yeah. always looking for that good background that nice background that you can get a sort of blur out yeah your... almost it's like a painting yeah so it's little things like that
1: whereas i think for for me i for most of my photography life as long as i get an image sharp as long as the head is in focus and sharp i'll be relatively happy and i think so i'm not naturally a particularly artistic person um, and I know you and I are similar in a lot of respects, but when it comes to your eye for like sketching and painting and yeah uh, and design, it comes from my sort of graphic design. Yeah, you, a bit, you're a little bit more, I think, naturally artistic. Um, most of my crea- I'm not necessarily super creative. Most of my creativity comes from like writing more than yeah. um, something like an, an art discipline. So I've especially more recently tried to go from just super close up, get the face sharp, cool. That's a, that's a close-up shot. To actually trying to be a bit more creative with yes. lighting, and just yeah, essentially more creative. So rather sort of than tell it, a little story, yeah, rather than it just be a nice sharp photograph of an insect. Maybe stepping back and getting lighting on a leaf, or yeah. or shooting through some foliage, or just something a bit different, rather than just the same thing but for different animals. I've tried to just sort of look at, take a bit more time to look and think about exactly what the photo is going to be. bring a bit of atmosphere to it and it's still not my strongest skill but it's something that i've enjoyed trying to bring into my photography yeah because
0: there are skills as well about cropping and the rule of thirds and all of those things that make a picture really pop um that again you learn you learn what makes a good picture by and
1: to be fair sometimes you'll find a photo that you just particularly like even if it breaks all the rules and lots of people don't sometimes you just just like a shot
0: oh definitely and and you know as if people follow my Instagram page, realize that you know sometimes I do a little daft caption and sometimes I'll post an image up there that isn't technically as I want it, but the story it tells and the yeah. caption that it lends itself to just becomes amusing. And I actually like that, you know. I'm, in fact, I've got a, a picture that I'm going to put up tomorrow, and technically it's not a great picture, but the caption hopefully will just make people yeah. smile. And I like that too. I like a picture should tell a little story, it doesn't always, it can just be a technically really good picture of a beautiful bird but i've got again more and more t- not looking for it but when i'm looking in, in through my pictures think oh do you know, that'll make a really good yeah. caption then, and maybe that'll make people smile and, and i like that and that's yeah. I, that's yeah, kind of my instagram page has got that kind of theme running through it um which of course yours does too
1: yeah my, mine does sometimes i found that the captions I'm okay at, but also I find sometimes the insects don't necessarily bring across so much personality. Yeah. Like the, the birds with the, the way they tilt their heads, yeah. they're almost like facial expressions. And sometimes they're themselves. both looking at each other yeah. or something like that. Whereas I, I had a few that worked very well with that, but I I sort of flicker between trying to do a caption or a little sciencey post about that particular Species, because that's what I'm better at. So well, I some, like that. Sometimes I end up going instead of the one-line caption from two paragraphs about the how wasp spiders ended up in the UK.
0: And I like that as well because I think you're what I'm better I at. I think to be the fair. the insects and the invertebrates maybe people aren't so familiar yeah. with. So to actually do a little bit of info about what they're looking at, I think is a nice thing. to research it, really. Yeah, yeah, but the way you do it, I think is really good, because like you say, your your skill is in writing as well, and your writing is brilliant,
1: so... I think like it's a very positive podcast, this, isn't it? It's nice. Um, well, we're bigging each other up, aren't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, we're well, best buddies, yeah, so exactly. you know, it's
0: like, why would you not? So those are the kind of things that we've done to improve, but my advice to anybody would be just to Go out if they, if they want to get into either of these genres or any genre in photography, it's just go out and take as many, just keep taking pictures.
1: That leads in quite nicely to the question of how important gear is. And it's not something we need to talk about extensively, but I had a few comments about it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. Well, I, I should say, obviously, I love camera gear. Um, and I know lots of people like to look for hobbies that require as little equipment as possible to save money. And I don't have a lot of money to blow on camera gear, but I like a hobby that requires a lot of equipment just because... I just like it. Like, I like a tripod like a head. Kit, like me. tripod heads are just I just love them. A good camera bag. I've got too many of them. I, I like the kit. Um and I know that obviously based on our conversations when you're looking to upgrade or or anything like that we we spend a lot of time looking at reviews and yeah. all sorts of stuff and we always sort of dream of what camera if we had if money was no object what camera would we want
0: which is why we love to, yeah, to go into the
1: photography show
0: pick up a six grand camera and go yeah oh. <laughs> and
1: it, it's i find it it's a bit like all sorts of, of tech i think it's its easy to think if i don't have the new sony a whatever it is nowadays um i won't be able to get the um the shot that i want but uh yeah so it's very easy to sort of fall down the rabbit hole of, oh i need this equipment i need that lens um but the the obviously it does help, but it's not key. And I think it's, this is going back a long time now. There used to be a YouTube channel called Digital Rev, and it was all photography based. And they used to do a really cool challenge where it was pro camera, pro camera like novice photographer, and then pro photographer cheap camera. Yeah. And they'd literally give them like one of those tiny hundred pound compact cameras. Yeah. And the pro would still always always come out with a better shot than a novice with the most expensive yeah. camera money can buy. Yeah. And you see, especially nowadays, the cameras on phones are insanely good. Incredible. There are whole Instagram accounts where people only use their phone. And you can buy for like 30 quid, I think, like a little clip-on macro attachment or something like that. And so I think it's almost like a barrier to starting. You sit and it's a bit daunting to think I've got to spend a minimum of £500 to get an entry-level SLR. Whereas just have a go with your phone, learn how to compose a photo most of them now you can change settings and just have a play with it i
0: think um i think lucy lapwing is uh, is a real testament yeah, to yeah it's all phone if based. you if you visit her instagram page every single photo she's taken on there is just done on her and some phone. of them are
1: brilliant and some of them are
0: absolutely stunning i mean stunning pictures yeah. that she's taken and so i
1: think gear is important and especially when it comes to things like the ability for a camera to work in low light it just opens up so much more opportunity if your camera can deal with high isos and if you have a nice fancy macro lens it makes getting close-up photos a lot easier but it's definitely not essential for people who just want to get into it and i think because we bought at a photography show actually our iconic photography show where we both bought our D seventy two hundreds and I accidentally blew my whole university bursary on it <laughs> yes, the did, day did. after I got it. Um that was a moment when it was we a, both fantastic, bought fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought Peranic on cameras, didn't the, we? The, as soon as the, that bursary came through, I, I knew I was spending it on, on the camera and I don't think you could handle me having a better camera than you, so you went and bought the matching one it's It's still a cracking camera, and sometimes I look at the next step up and I'm like well oh, maybe i should and i realize i really i don't know how much of an improvement it would make to my photography to have one no, I mean, step I, up camera
0: i agree it's not all about gear and and that analogy you made of a pro photographer with a cheap camera and a and an amateur with a an expensive camera, and the pro will always yeah. get better composition he'll understand light more he'll do un- something weirdly do creative. something more creative. Yeah. I mean, for my bird photography, I did have my Nikon 7200, which I started with, um, and then I realised that I needed uh, more speed. Yeah. Um, I needed a motor drive that would do ten or twelve frames per second as opposed to four.
1: A longer lens means you can get birds certainly with bird photography. I needed a longer lens. So there's definitely advantages.
0: You know, I went and bought. Uh, A really mint condition used Nikon D500, which is renowned as a fantastic sport and wildlife camera because it's got speed, great dynamic range, good autofocus on it. And I bought that second-hand. Got a yeah, min there's condition. lots
1: of really good second-hand camera gear
0: out there. And then I bought a long telephoto again. I punted around. I found uh, there's lots of really good gear on some of the big camera shops. Now, you don't have to go to eBay. You can, London Camera London Exchange. London Camera exchange is, is a fantastic uh, place. Them. I bought both of my uh, bits of kit for bird photography from them. But, uh, but you know, and you could look at, the, I mean, the, the new technology in the in the new cameras coming out uh, it's just it is incredible. Bo- it's just bonkers. Just to um, the point where
1: you might not even need to do the focusing stuff yourself. The camera will auto Yeah, I mean, they've got, well, got eye-tracking, like haven't they? Yeah. So whatever
0: you're looking at, the camera will recognise you're looking at the eye of a bird flying across, and it will pick up the auto-focusing. Yeah. However, the investment in that, is, I can't justify it at the moment because you, you're spending, you know, you've got to spend thousands. And
1: then obviously all the new lens are, they've gone from... Being able to pick up a, a lens for I don't know three or four hundred pounds to some of the mirrorless yeah. ones are going to be two grand each. Absolutely. So and I, I just for, for me to replace my
0: my D five hundred with the latest tech, I've got to go out and spend seven or eight thousand pounds. I'd rather just go and spend time with the camera. Exactly. So and I'm 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 getting you know for me I'm enjoying it with the gear yeah. I've got. Of course I'd love to upgrade, but you have to have a look at that sort of cost reward ratio yeah, is diminishing the returns
1: it. and it's one of those things i think where people if they're earning their money their, their actual salary and their living from photography then having the best kit which means you'll get more shots you can sell or do the if you're doing like um assignments for a company you can do it more quickly and yeah. efficiently yeah, of course. makes sense um but me having a camera that can do two frames per second faster isn't gonna necessarily justify the expense and i think also I had to realise I cut you off. But we sometimes, especially when I was younger and you were trying to sort of teach me, would set me challenges like go to the wetland centre with only a 50mm prime. So I couldn't zoom in on a bird far away. I had nothing but the 50mm. And the challenge was that is what you've got, try and get something good. And it made you think about shots and be creative. And so, again, sometimes the limitations breed the creativity. Well, I think also for me
0: gear is important but the more important thing is what we touched on earlier on about how to improve your basic photography and if you're in a genre like bird photography then go out when the light is good go out in early mornings and late afternoons where the light is soft and look for those backgrounds look for those shots where the bird is separated from you know from all the mess around it in the trees you're much better off trying to improve those Areas where you'll get really good shots rather than going and spending tens of... And yeah. if you've got tens of thousands of pounds, well, yeah, do it. I mean, on the and thing, if I had tens of thousands of pounds... We would. I'd buy the Nikon Z9 yeah. and the new Everything. 600mm F4, which has just come out. This will give you an idea of if I wanted to upgrade the Nikon Z9, £5,300, the new 600mm, which is the minimum I would need on a full-frame camera, F4... Fifteen thousand pounds, so twenty grand. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not quite able to do that. At the I mean,
1: moment. yeah, my um and it, like, like we said, we do. There's nothing quite like a new piece of kit. So if we had the money, I would. Um, the the piece of equipment I would plug for anybody who wanted to get into macro is to buy a Raynox attachment and the Raynox 250 specifically. And people often. Uh, sort of promote it as an introduction to macro photography because essentially what it is is it's almost like a magnifying glass and it just clips onto the end of whatever lens you currently have on your camera and it lets you do real close-ups and people are yeah it's it's often sort of spoken about as if you can't afford a macro lens buy a Raynox and stick it on your lens but I have a macro lens and I use the Raynox I think potentially more because it just lets you get so much closer um you can't really auto focus through it I, I keep the I put it on a telephoto if you put it on a macro lens it, it becomes a bit unwieldy um I stick it on a telephoto and you don't zoom in you just sort of move the camera closer um like physically to your subject and it just it's, it's incredible what it's done for my yeah and that wasn't an expensive 70 of quid thing, was it? 70 quid off amazon um and it's an absolute bargain so if you have a if you already have a camera and you're not doing it on a phone the The thing I would say if you wanted to dabble in, in macro photography is to buy a Raynox 250, clip it on and just have fun. Yep. It takes a bit of getting good used advice. to because it has so little depth of field to it. Um, and you have to have quite patient subjects because you do have to get close to them. And flies don't really like you shoving a camera a few millimeters up to its face. Um, but that's all about the challenge but it's good of fun. it, isn't it? It's really good yeah. fun. And, and I've really it's my like go-to i also like it because I, if i don't have a lot of space i can take a telephoto and a macro attachment and i've got the best of both worlds so yeah that would be the bit of gear i would plug for anybody yeah. wanting to try macro photography yeah that's good. providing that's, of course you already have advice. a sr um,
0: um and for me for bird photography like i say you just need a long lens and a fast camera but you, there's just plenty yeah, there's, it. there's plenty of um cameras oh, you actually, know older cameras that will do that just as well
1: yeah and the second hand sphere is good and the other thing i guess is um renting cameras is really yeah. good so it's one of those things where I, I think it's highly unlikely that we've got people listening who have never picked up a camera because i think our audience yes. primarily comes yeah. from our photography based um instagram uh, accounts but if, if you like want to have a go with a lens or you want to have a go with a camera and you can't afford the two grand to buy it. There's Renting them's brilliant. Yes, there's plenty um, of rental places now actually. So we've just become like a walking advertising Yeah, yeah we're now, doing but. a good job for everyone yeah. really, aren't
0: we? Um, okay, well that's gear. We'll, st- we'll stop on the gear now because uh, I think we've we've covered that pretty just well. Just find um, a way
1: to love and appreciate a good tripod head. <laughs> he's, he's,
0: just, a, he's obsessed with oh, tripod he's, heads.
1: It's great, they've got spirit levels on them and everything. But <laughs> <laughs> very easily, please. <laughs> Um, I wanted to touch on
0: um, the places our photography have taken us as well and why uh, they're so important. So obviously for me, well for both of us actually, it takes you into those nature reserves, um, wetland centres. I think, you know, if I hadn't got into bird photography, I, your mum and I probably would never have gone to uh, Welney. No. And oh my word, we just fell in love with that place and it was just amazing
1: you've also had lovely mornings at paul Brooke brooks and pagham harbour yeah. and
0: and it's not just the actual you know the the reserves like that with the rspb it's our local spaces we went to Keyhaven near yeah. to you which Key is an incredible lovely incredible nature reserve the woodlands that that we went to in the obviously in the new forest uh and for me my little local space that i can walk to here which just involves walking across a local field um along the river along the little river and onto the beach I can do this little circular route which I try I've got to be honest I try and do every day regardless of the light Uh, (laughs) I'll try and do that every day
1: yeah I mean when I moved house away from Southampton Common I was just searching for a patch of green to get some insect photos and stumbled across a fantastic little community who really look after the Wilden Nature Reserve in, in Hampshire and that's where I ended up getting involved in getting in a pond and doing conservation work and yeah. say it's, I end up meeting a great bunch of people who just look after this it's not a big nature reserve there's a little nature reserve and that purely came from I need somewhere to go and take some photos and probably wouldn't have stumbled across it quite as quickly if I, if I wasn't hunting for no and i a can't i spot. can't
0: overestimate the importance of these places the wetlands uh, areas and the the rspb are trying all the time to secure uh, pieces of land to protect and and create reserves yeah they
1: become especially the little local ones become little green havens for wildlife in a ever developing so urban important. area They're
0: so important that we protect them and you know if you if you're not members of these places to Uh, you know, to try and help then I I thoroughly recommend Or at least just visiting, just giving the support that way. And and also going out and enjoying your local green space—you'll be amazed yeah. if you if you look hard. You'll be amazed at what you see when you when you go to these places. So. Then I
1: guess more exotically. Actually, I don't know whether it's fair to say my photography took me to Arizona because my university degree took me to Arizona, but I chose that trip for the photography. Yes, I remember packing um, you off with half of my. gear. I took gear. all of your gear actually. <laughs> you I, took too. your, I took your. the D90, and I took. I mean, I left you useless because I took the battery from the D80 so that you? I could have a spare battery. I think um, you even had my camera bag. I took your camera bag. I took your 80-200. I took your macro lens, your 50mm lens. <laughs> it's, the 18 to 120. I think you left me with my phone. It was <laughs> really. Oh, I took your tripod. Um, it was really heavy. Yeah. And all else, there's lots of people. Be- Everyone took cameras. Um, it was really
0: heavy, and it was 35 degrees. 35
1: degrees in jeans with big snake-proof things around my leg. Oh, it was hot. It was worth it. Yeah. Um, but it, that 80 to 200, the old nickel lens was was, it was heavy. heavy
0: f 2.8 that was fast um, lens wasn't it
1: but yeah i did i did steal all your camera gear because i didn't really i didn't really have my own at that point <laughs> that was a good trip then yeah so that i it took me to arizona which was a whole different environment to be in a desert with rattlesnakes yeah. and scorpions and of course it and took and us stuff. to mull as well Yeah, where
0: we went up there obviously to do the one my friends television. and i went
1: off to portugal to go and look for we actually had a very unsuccessful trip reptile wise but we found some cool inverts yeah. and so, yeah, it's, it's a nice motivator to go and find these places with new habitats and more wildlife.
0: Absolutely, and
1: it's, like I say, it's it's ever so but good for your actually, your well-being. Beyond all that, because obviously it's it's lovely to be able to disappear to Arizona for two weeks or or us to go up to Mull, uh, and I guess this is more on the macro side, although birds as well... Um, It gives you an appreciation of just your garden, like of where it takes you. It takes me to the undergrowth in your garden and hiding under a bush, and of course I see all sorts of cool stuff down there. Oh,
0: absolutely! And I've got uh, you know a separate little section on my website um, just for my garden birds um, because. I absolutely love watching them yeah. and of course you know they're up in the apple tree and they're in the bamboo and
1: so I can get some really nice shots here as well. So, yeah so I think as a, a running theme for, for what I've sort of tried to emphasise is the entry like barrier should be quite low for photography. You don't need to fly off to the jungle to take photographs of stunning snakes. You just get on your hands and knees and take photos of the spiders you find in your house or the blue tits in your garden, and you can still have a an incredible time. Yes, and, and I've probably and taken like that.
0: more of bird shots locally than I have in yeah. the reserves. So um, there's always something to see. That's the other thing. I can walk across this field that's local to me, and there's always something to see. Eager it's in a tree.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's great
1: and we love it. Yeah. and um, we'll wrap it up. Because we'll wrap it up. The up one there. bit of feedback we've had from my mother is that it sometimes takes us a while to wrap up. <laughs> Yes, and we are now 46 minutes. Okay, so there goes so the idea of a shorter episode. <laughs> it was supposed to be a shorter episode. Um,
0: well, but actually, I've got to be fair, I could talk about this yeah, all day long.
1: And I'm sure we will when we hit stop and, record. And, um,
0: and, and now we've got to wrap up. Yes. Yeah.
1: So if you have made it this far, thank you for listening to our sort of self serving, bigging each other up, positive episode about our, our own photography. And um, if nothing else, hopefully people have got to know us behind the microphone and instagram pages a little bit better yeah
0: it, it, hopefully it's made a bit of sense of a bug in the lens a bird in the lens and the birdie bug pod yeah. because
1: that's how they all came about really so uh so yeah that's that it i good. hope you enjoyed it um next episode we'll go back to doing something a bit more eco-friendly or sciencey or wildlifey um not too sure what it's going to be maybe another species episode yeah um but thank you for listening thank you for listening and like follow whatever you I like and get um, that i'm yeah. a bad
0: influencer so uh, and we'll catch you next time right bye, right bye bye, bye.